the biggest way to get your team to have full confidence in the decisions of the business is to explain to them why personally that decision matters to you. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. It's the end of 2022. We're walking into 2023, and I thought one of the best ways to close off this year of Selling with Love podcast is actually to bring my own coach, my own mentor, my own business strategist who actually guides my organization and my team on how do we set goals? How do we set priorities? How do we make sure we're working on what is most important and avoiding distractions in the process? As we close off this year, maybe you already have all your goals set. Maybe you've started early on your New Year's resolution, or maybe you're even like me, which unapologetically a little more slowed down at the end of December and ready to fire up in January. And I want to make sure that you are given the tools, the insights, and a bit of challenging to the status quo when it comes to understanding what is it that we should do to make sure that we are working on the right goals. This will be selling with love, but also including a lot of entrepreneurial insights. So if you're interested in this, make sure you stay until the entire episode. This will be one of those that you'll want to possibly be a bit more present for a lot of ideas you'll want to come back to and action on. And it's something that we're going deeper with our selling with love members, where we're actually doing some implementation of a lot of the insights that are going to be discussed here today. If you're interested in that, make sure you look into the show notes where we're actually booking one-on-one calls to help people implement their strategies and provide some guidance as you're going to be navigating 2023. And with that out of the way, I'm super excited to introduce Ezekiel Vicente. As I've mentioned, he's been a coach and a mentor to me, a former executive at Mindvalley, where we worked alongside helping the organization grow from the very low to high eight-figure income, has been in charge of developing the tech strategy, has worked with HR operations. He's a man who's done a little bit of everything and does everything fantastically. I'm glad to call him an ally and excited to introduce him as a returning guest to the show. Ezekiel, welcome. It's such a pleasure to have you. Well, nice to be back here again. It's been a while. (laughs) It has been a while. And, uh, you know, we, we had fun on our last conversation, but this one I know is going to be a lot more intentful. I wanted to start with something very interesting. I feel like this end of month, December, I've actually slowed down a lot. There's a part of me that feels a little guilty. There's a part of me that's like patting myself on the back saying, I deserve this. It's okay. Next year is coming up. And I just wanted to kind of throw it at you and ask like, is this a cycle that's necessary? Is it okay? Am I in the wrong? Like what's going on? Well, I think it'd be a big, pretty good question to ask. Like, what is it? What is the, what is the guilt from? Like, what is it stemming from? Like, why do you feel guilty? What do you think you should be doing instead? Well, all year, all the time, I feel like I need to be on working on something productive. And I feel like I'm needing a bit of recharge batteries. And yeah, it feels okay. Yeah, well, it's not necessarily just that also. When you think about it, you might actually be doing your business a disservice by trying to push harder on the pedal right now. It's synonymous to the idea of like, okay, I want to reach the mountain, but I have to go through a massive forest to get there. And I've been walking for kilometers inside the forest. And at some point, you got to stop and check your map to say, 
hey, after all the twists and turns we've been like going through the whole year, are we still heading in the right direction? Or do we need to like course correct a little bit? Because the longer you keep just moving forward, you might be going to the other, going very far away from the actual target, which is something that a lot of entrepreneurs or very highly productive people sometimes forget that navigating, stopping, pausing and navigating is actually part of being effective. It's to make sure that you don't waste energy. And then you're in that zone right now. And so is everybody else. And so am I. So it's almost like after 12, 11 months, we're all being asked, okay, it's not just time to slow down. It's also time to navigate again. It doesn't feel comfortable. It you know? doesn't. Oh, it does like <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm used to just like, you know, don't think too much, put in the processes, execute on them, make sure things are running and it feels like I'm moving fast and things are going well. But when I get to this stage, like I told you, it feels like it's a bit more of a break. It doesn't seem like I'm actioning on as many things, mm. but you know, I've had you come over to Bali and meet with me and it's, we've been just doing a lot of thinking. But this thinking, it seems to cause doubt. And I'm, I feel like I'm supposed to be doubtless and confident in the direction I'm going. Yeah. And that's actually one of the, ugh, that's actually one of the fallacies of high performers is that, that no, 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 you, you actually should have a bit of doubt in everything that you're doing because it means that you're open to seeing other possibilities on how things might turn out. And actually, I was reading this book recently that has really hit this target home for me, which is The Willingness to Think Different by Adam Grant. And he basically talks about that. When you get locked into your own echo chambers of I'm right all the time and I'm sure all the time, it's the surest way to end up in a ditch because you know you're no longer listening to the feedback mechanisms of people and your market and your environment around you to make sure that you're still on point. And he's talking about that from the perspective of all the leaders who rose and fell after reaching a point where they just don't listen to anybody anymore. They just go do their thing and they stop listening. Hmm. And this is part of that process. Like listening is also part of the process for like, you know what? I got to stop. I got to navigate. I got to listen. I got to listen to my experience this year. I got to listen to the feedback I received this year. I got to listen to my customers this year so that next year, everything's better. Hmm. You know, I don't know if this might be one of the reasons, symptoms, or however you want to label it, but I feel like in organizations that I've worked, and obviously we worked together at Mind Valley, uh, and even previous organizations that I worked at, which were quite entrepreneurial, uh, we had a charismatic leader, and they seemed to be the person communicating a lot of confidence and direction, and I feel like that's what's expected of me. As in like, I, I'm afraid of showing that I have doubt. I'm afraid of saying that I don't have all the answers. I feel like I'm supposed to communicate that. I got everything under control. We're moving forward. Have no fear. I'm here to lead you. And it feels like that's a big responsibility. And I feel like I'm trying to model some of the past, you know, CEOs, bosses, or founders that I've worked with who seem to be having this kind of confidence where I'm trying to look at myself and I'm like, damn, like there's a part of me that isn't confident. Is there something wrong with me? Yeah, and that's that's very common too. I mean, it's uh, but real confidence is moving forward, knowing that you don't know all the answers, but you move forward anyway with conviction, with the caveat that you're willing to change your mind if you're disproven, and that is the real hallmark of like a very strong leader. You're going forward to the unknown. You admit there are things that you don't know, but you're moving forward anyway, and you're open to seeing. And being like, you're moving forward, adapting to what is going on. 
that is what you're really promising to your team is that there's many unknowns, but we're going to make it. We're always going to make it. Well, something I'm striving for, and I guess I've been dabbling at it. I've been doing my best. I've been getting good feedback from my team. They say that they've been enjoying working with me. So I think I'm doing okay, but it still always feels like I'm always, the more I progress forward, it, it's like, I'll never reach the goal that I'm like, now I'm confident. There's just something else, something else. And I'm also at comfort. I mean, we've worked together long enough. And for those listening, you might not know this, but Ezekiel being a personal life coach to me has made me come to terms and acceptance with my past, where I want to go in the future and being much more present in the process. I feel that pays off in the sense that I'm feeling much more comfortable, like you said, knowing that I'm not this full confident person, but I'm always just moving forward and I'm figuring things out. I'm adjusting, which kind of brings us to the topic of today, which is, okay, we're closing off a year. We're starting a fresh one. New Year's resolutions are coming full swing. What's a good thing we should be looking at as businesses if we're going to be trying to set goals for 2023? Yeah, before people have to do that, people, I think, have to realize once again that your business is not really separate from you. Especially if you're operating at like, you know, like small, medium scale kind of enterprise and you're in this mission-driven, values-driven entrepreneurship environment. No, your business is a direct reflection of who you are as a person. So before setting goals for your business, it is almost inevitable that you have to start reflecting not just on the business, but also on you. And in the same way that we're in the forest navigating towards a mountain, when we sit down after like a whole day of hiking, you always have to keep asking yourself the question, has anything changed? Which is the first question, which is really like, how have you changed this year? How have you changed this year? Like, has your vision for your life changed? Have your values or beliefs changed this year? Like what events led to that? Because the answer to that question, which is question number one, really, with like point A and point B, determines how your business should be directed moving forward. I mean, in your case, do you have any experiences this year that have definitely like changed how you operate as a person? Also like how you see your life in the world in general? Yeah, I mean... In my case, the book came out. That was a big deal. Yeah. I found myself separating much more from Mind Valley, as you know, for those who've been listening for the show for a while. Uh, initially, it was launched within Mind Valley, becoming much more independent, taking on new clients, built a team. Now it's not operating as a solopreneur, it's operating as you know, a leader of a few people that are doing some amazing work alongside me. So I've had to change on the way that I look at my, my life, my personal finances, how I budget things. It's more thinking like a company than an individual. And then I start thinking, where am I allocating my time? Where is it that it's actually providing value? Where is it that it's actually driving revenue? And that's been a big realization for me to see that I was doing a lot of work that actually wasn't driving the revenue. So I had to do a lot of changes there. Yeah. And just because of that, what does that tell you about who you are now as a person compared to before that? Well, I'm not denying that I'm a sales guy. I love selling. Yeah. I'll tell you another thing I've realized is I'm getting more and more excited about being a promoter and someone that is an advocate. If I'm thinking of Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell's mm, book is like yeah. there's salespeople, there's connectors, and there's mavens. And for those who aren't familiar, the mavens are people that are extremely, amazingly subject matter expert at a specific thing. Connectors just know everybody. And then the salespeople just are amazing at selling. And for me, one thing that I'm getting more and more clear on is moving away from being a maven 
given that I'm so great at connecting and I'm a salesman. And I have to like embrace that, which is where I'm trying to step away from trying to give all to everyone and realizing that I know amazing people that do amazing things that I can connect them to. So my vision of the business is evolving, acknowledging that. Which is exactly like those experiences have led you to understand yourself a lot better this year or question number one, which directly translates to the second question, which is like, given how you have changed, how do these changes affect the purpose of your business and where it fits in your life? And, and take note of the second line. It's like on how, on what role it fits in your life, because your business actually serves a purpose for you. Like it's a tool for you to achieve something. And now that you've changed, how does the business need to change moving forward? I have to ask the question though, for someone who's not done as much extensive work, like maybe you're at the early stages and I know people listening to this at all different stages, but say you're at the early stages and it's the first time you're confronted with these kinds of questions. Is this the same process or do we have a preliminary work we need to consider? If you're, this is the first time you're thinking about, whoa, my business is an extension of me. What are you talking about? Yeah, these are questions mostly highly relevant more to people who started businesses with a certain mission in mind, a certain mission or a certain goal they want to achieve in life and they want to use their business as a vehicle to do that. So you can look at it as like people who create mission-oriented like ventures or values-oriented companies. But if you started your business with just the idea that, you know what, like my, the role of my business is just to make money and you're very clear about that, then maybe the only change that will matter to you is that, well, this year I realized that I'm irresponsible with money and I need to be a lot more pragmatic and focused on spending only on high leverage items so that this year I can make more money. So that still translates to how I will change how I operate my business. Maybe I'll cut down 90% of my products. You don't know. Change your product offering. I mean, in your case, you were definitely thinking about like tightening things up a little bit given when you saw where your expenses were going and then how the returns were coming. Yeah, it was an interesting reflection and definitely one I would not have known have I not set the time to kind of do this audit, to do the review, to slow down before just doing more of the activities that might not even be bringing in the revenue? It, it kind of lost its purpose. And then I could see my own momentum being lost in the process. And that was an important period. So is this a series of questions that we could encourage yeah. people to do right now yeah. so that we can make the most before even setting a goal? Yeah. So the first one, definitely the first one going back is how have you changed this year? When I say, how have you changed this year? There's mostly two aspects to it. It's like, has your vision for your life changed? And what events led to that? And then the second follow-up to that is, have your values and beliefs changed? And what events this year led to that? It's very important to know the events this year that led to that. So you can specifically pinpoint the cause and effect of things. So that is the first one. So a lot of people don't really bother to check that. I actually find that to be quite sad that people don't ask this question every year, like, how have I changed? When in fact, that is the question, but it's also the hardest question to ask. <laughs> True that. What's interesting about, you know, logging the story, I think is so important because I find myself needing to distribute. I need to share this information with my team and my team 
I assume it doesn't matter if I make a change in the business what the reason is, but I realize the only thing that matters is the reason. Correct, so yeah. When I involved them in the process, which is something you had encouraged, and then they understood why I was pivoting, like nobody had any questions, nobody had any doubt, nobody even wanted to really argue with it when I explained the things I'd witnessed, the things I experienced and the direction I wanted to go. They're just like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, well, we'll support you to go there. And I wasn't trying to hide anything and I wasn't just assuming it didn't matter, it mattered a lot. And I think that got the buy-in from the team, which was really important. Yeah, the biggest way to get your team to have full confidence in the decisions of the business is to explain to them why personally that decision matters to you. Because all in the end, you can give all the reasons possible as to why a business is making a decision, but ultimately it boils down to a personal one. It's like, how did you, Jason Campbell, decide to pivot the business this way? What happened? What did you see that changed your mind? And that's all they really want to know. Once they understand it, they'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> that's really it is. So yeah, so that's the first question. The second one, which has like the second category of questions, like, do these changes in you affect the purpose of your business in terms of what role it fits in your life? And that's looking at it as far as you can. It's like three, five, 10, 20 years, depends on you. Maybe even just one year if it's a new business. And then the aspects there that you want to look at, specifically also for you, is that, okay, in terms of how it changes, did it change the vision of what business you're building? What about the product that you're working on or your product offering value that you're delivering to your customers? Does that need to change? I mean, you, you, you said recently that, you, man, you're embracing that you're, a, you're the salesperson advocate. How does that change the kind of product offering that you have as a business? And does that change how you want to deal and speak to your customers and how you want them to see you and also the type of customers that you want to be working with? And the last one is, it, does it change how you want to run it moving forward? And those are no easy questions. Like you could be sitting in like a beach or like in a quiet zone, pondering those questions for like a weekend. <laughs> yep. We went on a bit of a retreat to kind of do a bit of that decimation in the process. Oh, and you know, by getting those answers, then I'm faced with things that I need to change. I can't ignore it because I've noticed that there was a gap between how I'm operating, what I'm focused on, and where I actually want to go based on the changes I had. So that was the necessary thing I needed to do before moving forward. And I want to take a moment here for anybody who's listening and you're liking these ideas. We're going to get more deep into the goal setting part. But what I want to remind everyone and make really fun and accessible to all is as we're doing this New Year's podcast episode, we want to make sure that you're given a tool that allows you to ask these powerful questions. And for those who are familiar with the Selling with Love Challenge, this is a five-day journey that allows you to go deeper into these questions of the why, the who, the what of products, clients, and vision in a very powerful way so you can adjust your business on how it should operate to attract customers, convert to sales, etc., now, this is a $300 challenge, but for those who are listening to this podcast, we want to do a little gift for those of you who leave a review and would love to have access to this for free. Simply take a moment to go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts, leave a review, take a screenshot, and send it to jason at jasonmarkcampbell.com, and we're going to give you a 
complimentary access to the Selling with Love Challenge, which will be a powerful challenge for you to complete beginning of the year that will give you some answers to some of these questions. And on top of that, for the first 10 people who do it, we're actually going to give you a chance to have a one-on-one call with myself or one of my team members who are going to review it, help you set a plan for your goals in 2023. So Ezekiel, coming back to the content here, we have a chance to review this. We see how we change. Now, how does this translate in us doing the best we can for this time of the year into setting goals for 2023? Hmm. I would say that the main reason you want to do this alone first, if especially if you're the one who's like the top leader inside your company or if it's your business, you want to do this first before you do any form of year-long quarter planning with your team. Because ultimately, when you start planning with your team, you start getting into the weeds of like, how are we doing this? When are we doing this? What are we doing? And if you don't have the answer to the question, why? (laughs) Then you cannot plan effectively. It will always sound to your team very uncohesive or like there's there's no clear direction of the business moving forward. Let's just throw whatever goals out there. And yeah, that can get you far, but that's not going to be great for like a high-performing team. You're very likely to feel like you're just throwing goals on a dartboard and you're just pursuing whatever. Mm. And that's and not going like to be very inspiring. you're like chasing your own tail in the process. Yeah. I've set goals for the set of setting goals when I didn't have any kind of why that was there, which actually I want to just add a bit of a caveat for anybody who might be at the very early stages. Because I remember when I was still an employee, I was still just thinking about the idea of going on my own. I didn't have a really strong why, but I decided, I said like, hey, I, I think it'll be great if I start working towards building a personal brand. And it was just a very loose goal. Was there something I could have done more effectively or is that how you start? No, not really. Because at the very beginning, because you don't necessarily, when when you're young, you don't necessarily know where you want your life to be at. Well, what you're doing at the earlier stages of life up to like maybe in your mid-20s or like maybe sometimes even early 30s, is you're just trying to figure out what do I like and what I don't like. And the way to do that, actually, that's, that's actually the fallacy that people think that, oh, I figure out my purpose and my passion and, and just like eureka moment and that's it. No, it's not like that. You don't think it up. You don't think up your vision and your passion. You stumble into it. So in your case, you leaned into the activities that you like doing. You like personal brand. You like speaking in public. You like hosting events and you like referring people to each other. And in parties, you wanted to make sure that nobody felt out of place. You just kept doing all of those things over and over. And then at some point, it all made sense. But yeah, for for people who don't know what they want, or if you're not an entrepreneur or you're still trying to figure things out, the only thing you need to do is keep following your curiosity. That's it for now. It'll all make sense later on for as long as you keep asking yourself these questions at the end of every year. Yeah, it's a powerful layer before just putting those goals on the map. And, you know, now that I have that, it becomes much more easy to say, okay, what's going to be the big wins for the year? I know for us, we were using the like one page strategic plan. I know we're big fans of like scaling up Rockefeller habits. Do you recommend that kind of tool for any kind of business? Or do you have to reach a certain point before you get really formal about business goal setting? 
Mm, I would say that if you're starting out something completely fresh and you're not experienced in business at all, try to make things as simple and as fluid as possible because you're you might not even know if you want to start a bit you you don't even know if you want to be a business owner it's like you start with like an idea and you start checking first will people pay for this you're just trying to answer that question are people willing to pay for this and do i enjoy making it like am i okay making and building this product or offering this service for a while and the answer is yes then you keep going until you grow it to a level wherein okay i think i want to go serious on this and then you start building like solid plans around it yep i mean that's how my whole product suite was developed it was just like starting with testing i remember the first one of the first things i did was a one-on-one with a few clients that had struggles with sales because i needed to understand the clients more and again this is something i recommend in my own programs but I needed to speak to people. I need to connect with people. And then I realized, oh, I want to actually maybe try a group coaching. And I did that. I actually never sold it. I was like, the format of it, like what I was including, I was like, this is not something that makes sense. But I was trying to do it because they were, I was listening to gurus and programs that were saying, yeah, you got to do group coaching. And I stumbled upon membership because at some point I was like, I want to be able to have this community that continuously grow, that we're always supporting each other, we're keeping accountable, and nobody needs to feel lonely as they're building their business. And that's why the membership, I first started it, you know, as a beta, small group, started adding features, listened to the people, started growing it. And then this year, that's why we're listening and we're making some good tweaks to make sure people are being supported in the right ways. But I could only figure this out after I've actually done a few of the steps in the product development, which I know in the membership itself, you do a training, which you help us iterate on our products because... This is the journey. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even I, when I was making my my identity formation process, was not even planned to be a product. It was just like, I like studying this aspect of human psychology and uh, psychological development. And I tested it on people that wanted to benefit from it in their lives because they were in that phase where they needed it. And I just kept refining it and refining it. And then at some point, people ask, dude, we should be paying for this. I was like, really? <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, it's been four years since I've been doing this. <laughs> Actually, funny enough is we started working together. And I was one of your first beta testing students going through your identity program. And I think it was like half a year through, I had some significant changes in my personal and professional life that I just cut you a check that summer. And I was like, I, I need to pay you. You've given me too much value. <laughs> yeah, this is one of those things wherein I waited too long before I built a plan around that product. Mm. But it was all the check boxes were there. People were willing to pay for it. I have mostly, what, 99% of like great feedback on the process and the product itself. And I was thinking, huh, and I've been doing this for like five, six years now on and off. So I was like, why didn't I make a plan out of this? And everybody who's like close to me, and I apologize to the people who are close to me because I'm, I'm a stubborn idiot at times. They were all telling me like, dude, you got to do something about this. You got to do something about this. I was like, okay. <laughs> I got an interesting insight here and I'd love to know your opinion because it seems like you went through the journey to be able to get to the point where now like you have your product, you decide to take the action. 
But I'm seeing a lot of cases where we're shortcutting this process. And I see there's an industry that's actually capitalizing on this. And I'm talking about like getting certified in specific modalities that allows you to do consulting work, coaching work, et cetera. I've seen a lot of people go through learning the methodology, specifically getting certified with, say, someone that's giving you a plan on how to deliver X to clients. And on the other side of that certification, there's a huge amount of anxiety, uncertainty, and it's almost like the shortcut you paid for still causes a gap in your confidence to go out there and sell it to get clients. And I have people knocking at my door left, right, and center that are like, oh my God, I just went through this certification, but I'm so uncomfortable selling it. And in your case, you did the opposite, which is like, you've done it, you've gathered a bunch of testimonials, now you're actually providing it. So what's holding people back here? Like, is it a good idea to get certified or is there an inherent problem to it? Mm, I actually don't think there's any problem with it. The only thing is people are forgetting that the certification doesn't make you good at it. Mm. It just means that you haven't done the practice. Like confidence is built not by a certification. Confidence and competence is built by long periods of practice. So yeah, if you got a certification, well, that's a leg up in the sense of you have a methodology to work with right away. Next thing you need to do is like get good at it. And you don't get good at it by sitting in a seminar room. You get good at it by using that methodology with as many clients as possible paid or non-paid until you get sick of practicing it, that you can do it in your sleep. Now that is confidence. <laughs> That's the stuff that certifications don't solve for you. The amount of practice required to deliver value and to troubleshoot nonstop. You can see it in people who graduate from certifications and they fade out and they feel like, okay, I, I'm missing something to be able to go deliver value or start my... I don't know, coaching business or whatever. No, 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 you, you're not missing anything. The only thing you're missing is practice. Just do it. And then you'll also answer the question, do I want to keep doing this or not? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I'm glad you're reminding that. And this is kind of what I want to touch on because yes, it's the number one thing I see a gap in is actual practice. And you say paid and unpaid, and there's a bit of a pain with the unpaid one, but my God, have I done a lot of unpaid work to be able to test my method, to validate it, to bring the results, to get the case studies. To me, this is all, you know, for those who are part of the Prospecting with Love, which is one of the programs we have in our membership, we talk about you have to have 100 conversations to do three free gigs to eventually get one paid customer so you can build that competence that leads to confidence. So I'm glad you uttered those words because that's exactly what we're trying to advocate for here. Yeah. So I'll reel it back to the goals though. That was a bit of a, a tangent I wanted to make sure was included, but going back to goals, I've checked on how I've changed. I'm making sure there's some alignment. There's some products I want to refine. What does this look like? Should I be just going for one bold goal for the year or is there a better method I should be looking at? Well, before that, you want to spend time to like how I would do these is like the second question, which is like, how do these changes in yourself affect the purpose of your business on your, like your vision, customers, whatever. You want to jot this down as like rough ideas first. You want to dump it somewhere, write it somewhere. You need to get it out of your brain because for sure, after everything that's gone on this year, you have a lot of things on your mind. And you need to put it down so that you can actually see the landscape of all those ideas. And then, okay, now that you've gotten that out of the way, then you can start looking at it from the perspective of question three, which is like, well, if I looked at this year of my business, 
what did I have planned and how did that turn out? Now you start listening to like the actual feedback of what happened to your business this year. And then you go to that one that you talked about. Like, given all of this information, meaning did my vision long-term changed? What happened this year and what I feel like my business should, how my business should change next year. What is the theme of next year then? How do I want that theme to be? And I don't know, people can shoot me for it, but I'll tell you, if you tell me that you can have multiple focus areas or themes for your business or for your life in one year, I'm telling you that's not going to work. Even in your personal life, you look at it as like, this year, I just, you could set multiple goals or whatever, but ultimately this year has been what? For you, it has been like, what? Career, mostly? Mostly focus on your on, on career and your business for yeah, the most part. Most of it, everything else was kind of already set in stone, so I was good. Exactly. So that means your theme of this year was your business. For some people, it was just health this year. For some people, it was relationships this year or like friendships this year. So you kind of want to really dial down into like, okay, what is my theme of next year given how I've changed? And based on that, what is the theme of my business next year? That becomes your North Star of deciding what type of strategy you're going to be doing when once you enter your year-long planning. It's like I would go into that meeting room and say, my life this next year, I want to focus on how I show up into the world. Personal branding or like how I... So the things that you guys are going to see me talking about would be like, I'll be doing speaking lessons. I'll be doing more talks. I'll be getting a speech coach and a personal... We'll spend more on personal branding. Everybody already knows that quarterly priorities are going to be like, well, we got to do rebranding. We got to spend more money on talks. We got to advertise more like a lot of the outreach activities. That's how you see that it's all very cohesive. There's very, you want as little friction as possible with regards to what your personal intentions are for the year and what your business intentions are for the year. That makes running your business extremely effortless in terms of smoothness of communication, planning, and execution. I like the idea of theme and that does remind me of what I was telling you when I had a bit of a wishy-washy transitionary career to business. When I said a theme it was like, just put Jason Campbell or Jason Mark Campbell rather out there. And that's actually where Jason Mark Campbell was born. I never referred to myself to Jason Mark Campbell, but I, and I set an intention that I was like, one year was everything about how do I put Jason Campbell out there? And the first thing I started doing is Googling myself only to find out that Jason Campbell is one of the most generic names out there. There's already an NFL for retired quarterback who's dominating the search results. So I was like, how do I stand out? That's where I decided to just use my middle name, Mark. And that way I was like, if somebody searches for Jason Mark Campbell, there's only one guy who shows up. But it's also what led me to the decision of writing a book. I was like, that's, a, that's the best way to build a personal brand. That's how I seized the opportunity to launch this podcast. That's how I started doing everything was from that one theme of that year, which kind of trickled into where it brought me to the next year's team, which was like build a team, start thinking about like a business. And now as I'm you know, coming back into this year's theme, I haven't fully set it in stone. I mean, that's why we're having this conversation in Parshina as well. But, you know, given a lot of what we had discussed so far, it's almost like stepping into who Jason Mark Campbell is. Correct. Like that, yeah. It's like just embodying it because we thought about it, but then it's like, well, how do you live that and be that is the theme that I have. Yeah. Because look at it. If I look at this year, 
when you said you wanted to focus on your business, what you really were trying to do is answer the question, how do I want to show up in the world? Like, what am I actually like in the world? So you used your business, you used the book, you used your podcast under the umbrella of your business as a way for you to feel out what does the world feel like for me and what does the world see me as? You were using it as a feedback mechanism to get to know yourself better, to answer the bigger question, which is, given all of this information now, after one to two years of doing this, now you're trying to ask the question, given all this, how do I want to show up next year? What does Jason Mark Campbell have to offer the world next year? How am I showing up next year? Because you were just gathering information this year. You were testing things. And you know, when you say that, it feels like the theme hits home. Is that a kind of litmus test to know you're on the right track? Like yes, if you're it is. like, yeah. It really is. Because technically speaking, that's what I mean. It's like your business serves a purpose. Right now, where your business is specifically, you've used your business as a way to have a strong feedback mechanism of how you want to show up in the world in the future. And if anything else, business is a tool for impact, but also business is also a tool to get to know yourself better. Specifically like that for very vision-oriented, values-oriented ventures. Because it's an extension of you. That's the difference between a business that's built from like a passion or or from who you are versus, say, a business that was just built to, like, make money. Well, okay, first off, this is hitting home. Like, by the way, everyone, this is why I keep someone like Ezekiel close to me because he throws these truth bonds that make me go back in my mind and really think deeply about where I'm going and how this all makes sense. But I want to challenge this point, which is, like, you know, the whole concept of creating a company is the concept of creating a separate entity, but I feel like what you're saying is this is a bit of a false mindset around thinking that it's completely different than you. Mm, I would say that the moment you start building a company, that means you need to step into an identity of an entrepreneur. When you do that, you're already getting to know yourself. It's just a question of how much you want it embedded into who you are. For some people, they will make a business and they'll just treat it as, you know what? follow the right strategy, find the right product, just grow it, make money from it, and get somebody else to run it. And that's fine. Because the objective of the business was just be a business. <laughs> but for some people, they use, like, for example, if you're a personal brand or your own, uh, your business is your personal brand or your own platform or, or you're an author, no, you are your business. There is no separation. Well, I mean, even to that point is if you're someone who just like cookie cutters a business and sells it off and such, that is still how you operate. That's exactly. still an extension of you. It's still an it? extension. Damn. And you have to keep asking yourself, do I want to keep doing this next year? And am I happy about this? Serial entrepreneurs who flip companies are like that. Like I'm a person who enjoys the art of making business to make more money. I like that game of playing with ventures and flipping them and selling them and taking them public and then starting something new. They like that energy. What they're saying is, I am a person who enjoys that game. So the whole thing of pursuing or creating a business or your identity as like an entrepreneur or whatever, it is a very deep, personal, self-knowing experience, whether you're aware of it or not. Because you're always asking the question, how do I want to show up this year? How do I want to show up next year? 
what do I want to do next? Remember, it's not even just saying, what do, what do I want my business to do? It's like, what do I want to do next? <laughs> it already starts there. Is there a lot of pushback when you bring this idea forward of being perceived as too selfish if you're operating your business, which is just a tool for your own self-discovery? Well, don't hate the tool, hate the user. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, it's like, I don't, like, business is a tool. Like, you use it however the way you want. You want to use business to, like, either way. Once you're in the realm of building your own business or your own venture, that is already a part of you that is, like, going out there. And if you want to use it to play a certain game in, like, a dirty way, which, by the way, that's highly subjective, that's up to you. But all that matters is it's a part of you. Mm. It is a part of how you show up. I want to ask you a question that's a bit on a tangent, but I know something you have a deep experience with and might be very interesting for others to hear in, which is, is there a point that the company, we t I know you did so much work when it comes to like company culture. Is there a point where the company culture as an entity starts superseding or being more important than your own preferences and visions as a founder? Hmm. That depends on the objective of the company. So for example, again, it's very intentional. If you want a company to go public and the intention is for the company to go public because you'd want it to grow without you, because you know that you're not the ideal CEO for say like a big corporate business and you don't want that kind of life, then yeah. The culture is eventually going to outgrow you. And it makes sense because the moment you put a new CEO on the helm, the culture is going to change anyway. But if you built your business literally as like, no, this business is, is me. Unapologetically, this is built around me. Then in theory, the culture should never outgrow you because you should be dictating the culture. Anything that doesn't fit in that culture, it's up to you if you want it to stay or not. So when they say, yeah, culture eats strategy for breakfast, yes, that's true. But you can also define what that culture is. Hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting because you have some of these companies, they even go well beyond the life of the founder and still embody a lot of its values. And, you know, if I pull up, you know, Apple as an example, during the time that Steve Jobs did, you know, pull away from the company, it seemed to lose touch with its values, its culture, its essence that Steve Jobs had imbued into it. And there was that whole era where the former Pepsi CEO came in, I forget his name, but kind of just distilled a bit and tried to milk the engine of Apple. And that's kind of when the share value went down. Steve Jobs came back, brought back this whole like creative obsession, etc. Now that he's passed away, it feels like it hasn't deviated too much from the vision of being that company that's all about creative, even as you had someone like Tim Cook who was much more finance-oriented than creation-oriented of Steve Jobs, but they were able to keep those values alive in that culture. At least it seems that way. Well, the main reason for that is because they were very deliberate already about what were the next steps. The, the beginning stages of the explosion was the idea that we need to create great products. That was the Steve Jobs phase, which you needed, you needed rebellious innovation like relentless, rebellious innovation and the, the, the relentless pursuit of like the perfect product experience. That was the obsession during that time. Once you nailed that, that was the point where you say, okay, we have a good product and we have a good brand already. Like we're known as that we make great products. Now the next part of the strategy is we need to dominate 
like distribution, manufacturing. <laughs> so that required a different kind of strategy and a different kind of like a new culture would come out of that, obviously. So you put Tim Cook in there and then he's a lot more, he's like the master of distribution, operations, efficiency, and supply chain networks. And that's where they are right now. So you see that the culture evolves beyond the founder, depending on what the plan is. But if your general plan was never for the company to grow beyond being a personal brand, then there's no need to really change it. That's where I, I get a lot of like flack from, I guess, HR or people who are obsessed with company cultures. And no culture is, they tend to talk to me about it. It's like, no, no, culture is like, like it has to be a certain way. It's like, no, 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 it's not. Culture is, you make the culture to serve the objectives of the company. Culture is just another tool. It's a more esoteric tool and it's a lot more human, which is why it's a lot more nuanced. It's very powerful. But if you don't decide what the culture is going to be, then it will decide it for you, which you don't want. <laughs> <laughs> and I can see that as even being your own personal values. Like as a solopreneur, there's a culture. Like it's who you are. It's again distilled from you. Your habits are extended inside the organization. Oh gosh, and I'm that's seeing, me right now. <laughs> the same, like the way I behave, I know is going to be shared. Like for me, it's like I value freedom of time. I value flexibility and just delivering the results. And I can see my team members are doing the same thing. And so I'm very, again, it becomes a tool for feedback for even myself. When I look at how my business is growing, how it's operating, it becomes another mirror, just like how, you know, going in a relationship with a romantic partner, I can see that partner being a reflection to me as well. I find the business has a different relationship, not necessarily romantic, although there's a lot of love. Yeah. It's also a tool that reflects yeah. back to me. I mean, when you look at what, like going back to like the example of what you went through this year, you saw that a big chunk of your revenue is coming from the place where you don't spend a lot of resources on. And that says a lot about you as a person and as an entrepreneur that you're like, okay, wait, what is it about me that led me to these decisions? Maybe, maybe at some point you feel felt like, oh, I cater to my to other people's suggestions. It's like if a team member of mine is really excited about this thing, I'll just say yes to it and put resources into it because that's the kind of person I am. But then it shows you already that the results are not what you want. So does that mean that you have to re-examine your own personal budget? Maybe I need to operate differently. Maybe I need to be more numerical value-oriented in terms of how I view money and return on investment on things. That means you are saying, I am potentially willing to change who I am so that my business can operate in a different way. That is culture right there. And it stems from your decision of like, do I want to change? Well, isn't that the question? <laughs> That's, that is the question. That is usually the most important question every year when an exec team comes together and talks to each other about, do we want to change how we operate? And if you want to change how we operate, are we as leaders willing to change how we all behave? And that is where usually it gets stuck <laughs> because we don't want to change, but we want the company to change. It's like, no, that makes no sense. <laughs> Ezekiel, it's so amazing to bring you on to just have our minds be poked at and get to challenge ourselves about the changes that we want to face as we navigate towards 2023. 
which is why I'd love to bring it all to everyone listening, which this ultimate question is indeed the one we have to ask is, as we step into 2023, in what ways do you want to change and do you want it to be different than 2022? And I think that becomes a beautiful place to start asking yourself what kind of goals you want to put in place. And I want to remind everyone that we have the Selling with Love Challenge. It's a $300 challenge that lets you set the vision, understand the impact you want to make, refine who you serve, refine the products you create, and build the sales process that can really make the business function. And what we're doing as part of this year-end podcast episode is we're giving a chance for anyone who leaves a review of your experience of this podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify and take a screenshot of that review and email it over to jason at jasonmarkcampbell.com. You can get access to the challenge for absolutely free. And as a bonus, we're going to give you a one-on-one session so we can help you with breaking down goals walking into 2023. It is a much more personal process when it comes to goal setting because everybody's at different stages. As Ezekiel mentioned, when you're with a leadership team, it's about understanding how the whole leadership team needs to change. And if you're listening to this and you have an entire organization, we would love to help you. We would love to speak with you. And we're going to offer this session for you as well. And if you're just getting started, maybe you still have reluctance in sales. You're not hitting the revenue targets as a solopreneur and you want to make a change. The big question is, do you want to change? And if that's the case, what action are you going to take? Well, we wanted to give you one powerful action here, which is make sure to leave a review so you can get access to the free challenge and get on a conversation with us so we can help you navigate the changes that are necessary to bring you to where you want to go. It was a powerful session, a little different than usual, but I'm so excited that we had Ezekiel here to poke at our minds. I know for me, every time I have a conversation with you, Ezekiel, I get to think differently, more powerfully, and it's helped me grow in the process. I know for everyone else that is listening, I hope you get to experience the same. I want to say a big thank you to the listeners. Thank you to Ezekiel. And please usher in 2023 with positivity, hope, and powerful impact that is going to be yours as we go and continue to bring you amazing content on the Selling with Love podcast. Thank you all for listening. Ezekiel, any closing words? Oh, I just want to say Happy New Year and may 2023 be as eventful and transformative as this year was for you. Beautiful words. Thank you so much, everyone. And until next time, keep selling with love. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.